Greetings one and all, wherever you are in the universe, metaverse or rainbow. Welcome to an Espresso Shot of Confidence, the podcast that explores all aspects of confidence, challenges, taboos and unhelpful narratives and empowers you to be awesome, loudly and proudly. It's time for you to grab a drink, remembering that it's five o'clock somewhere, so feel free to grab a whiskey and settle in for the next however long this episode is. I'm your host, the master of awesomeness, Ashley Griffiths, and today we'll be talking about the wonderful world of the teaching English as a second language industry. So while Mandarin and Spanish may have more native speakers, English is the most widely spoken language in the world. It is a lingua franca for global business and education. According to the British Council, there are around 1.5 billion people learning English around the world right now. Unsurprisingly, that has led to a growth of a multi-billion dollar industry with schools, universities, language centers and freelancers all providing different training services for learners for academic and professional purposes. I can't get my words out today. Um, it is an industry that seems to be in constant growth, and that means that there is always demand for classes. Students and business professionals are always looking for solutions that will help them progress in their careers or communicate more effectively in their jobs. Today, we're going to explore how this market is far from saturated and that there is still very much a demand for unique and personalized teaching programs. With changes in the international market, there's never been a better time to launch a business. However, many teachers still question whether anyone will ever pay them for their services that they offer. And who better to talk about this than Ola Kowalska? I hope I pronounced that right. A business coach for ELT. <laughs> I was meant to ask before we went live, professional me. Um, so, so Ola, business coach for ELT professionals. She is an advocate for kick-ass teachers to get off the hamster wheel of the industry and fly solo. She runs a community and coaching group for ELT professionals, is an Instagram sensation, and is currently empowering a community of teachers from all over the world to start their own ELT businesses. I've talked for long enough. Hey, Ola, how are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. What a introduction. Honestly, loved it. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah. Even with me butchering your surname. Um, <laughs> fine. I love it. And I think it's actually the beauty of it because it's, 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 it's what makes it colorful, what makes language colorful. I don't really mind. I live in the UK. I'm a Polish person living in the UK. I think I'm prepared for people to be uh, calling me or like pronouncing my name incorrectly or not the way it's supposed to be pronounced. But I, I really don't mind. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I had that when I lived abroad. My name was problematic for, for mm -hmm. certain nationalities. So I often got called ass. Oh, Right. Yeah. I've heard my name is a wave in Spanish, so I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. We did try once to convert my name into Mandarin, but it just made no sense. I mean, I think the closest we got is I surely, which, which made absolutely no sense. I think it's I love, I am love or something like that. I love is. Okay. And I was like, okay, I am love. <laughs> I love that. So That's quite uh, empowering. I loved it. I am love. Welcome. You um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how do you got into the whole ELT industry? Well, you probably won't be surprised. It happened by an absolute complete accident. I didn't plan to be a teacher. I didn't want to teach or to be honest, I actually think that I was poisoned by what many people think, and actually many of my clients think, still at this stage, and already being teachers, that teaching is nothing special. That teaching is not a profession um, where you can fulfill your potential, where you can make money, where you can do something meaningful. I mean, how far from the truth 
I'm probably now the biggest advocate of, of saying the complete opposite, but I used to believe it wasn't. So in high school, when it came to making a decision, what I wanted to do with my life, and I was like, oh, I'm really good at languages, but nah, that's just not practical. So let's study political sciences. Oh my goodness. What a waste of time. I studied political sciences for three years on my bachelor's at a Catholic university. And it was the most boring thing I've ever done. Probably. I always say now that it was only because fate wanted it to happen. So I could meet my husband and then I literally ran away from it. So the minute I, um, graduated. I started teaching privately just because there were people interested, just because I was good in English. I, I didn't have any qualifications. I think I did um, like one of those English certificates when I was a teenager, but nothing else. And that's how it started. I was 20, very careless and didn't really think of it as a per possible career. But yeah, I started and then that's how my career sort of kicked off. And I started like everybody else. I actually started teaching for myself, but I treated it as a side gig. So I always thought, oh, I need to find a proper job. Another thing that I'm now trying to change in the industry. If you think that what you're doing is not proper, then it will always stay not proper. But it's all down to mindset. So I guess I could have even then start running my own business, but I, I wasn't ready. And I think... Even now, I believe that there needs to be time for everybody to, to realize that they're ready uh, to fly solo, as you said. Yeah, I to totally get that. As long as I remember, I was just so tired of working for people and jumping through hoops and doing things. This makes no sense. Why are we doing this? And I was like, people kept on telling, why don't you just go do your own thing? Why don't you do your own thing? And yeah, you, but you have to be ready. You have to be in that moment, don't you? And sometimes I guess you don't really know when that moment is until it hits you in the face uh, but and Absolutely. then there's always that danger as well to say well i'm not ready like i'll never be i'll do it when i do this mm -hmm. i'll do it when i do this and that can then can delay you and, and i think one of the things you said and, and I, this was an area that i really wanted to talk to you about because it's uh we've talked about it before on calls but mindset Certainly mindset in the industry that you work within, I think is huge. I mean, it's a huge in any business, but more so certainly in the ESL, ELT industry, I've noticed a lot of people saying that I'm just a teacher. Mm. Um, I've noticed people, especially in the ESL network, saying I'm only an ESL teacher. I'm not a proper teacher. Many gurus out there will say that. The success comes from 80% up here, the mindset and 20% taking action. So for anyone who's out there that's going, oh, I'm just an ESL teacher. I just work in the ESL network. Who's going to pay me? What would you say to them? How can they change that mindset? Mm. I always say that it's, it's not an easy thing because just going back, and I think it's important for people to understand why we end up in such a stuck sort of way of thinking is I think that most of us who, who go through the motions of mainstream education and live in Western societies, we are prepared to work for other people. Yep. School teaches us to get a job. Okay. School teaches us to be of service to others and to be presentable so that we are easily hired. Right. That's the thing. And that's extremely har harmful, especially if you want to venture out solo. Um, and that's what I think kills the motivation, the aspirations that people may have from the very beginning. Like now, when I think of it, I think I was probably already thinking of running something on my own uh, when I was a 16 year old, you know, <laughs> but nobody like, you know, my family didn't think it would be serious. I wouldn't think it would be serious because it's, it's just a conditioning that we are always surrounded by. So to change, we have to dig quite deep. 
we have to realize, we have to have the awareness. And I, I totally agree. Uh, I didn't know the numbers, but I would say, yeah, 80% of success is mindset. Because if you believe that you can be the change, that you can break the pattern, um, you can do it, literally. And I know those all those big quotes that say, if you dream it, you, if you can dream it, you can have it. I mean... Yes, they sound a bit ridiculous, but they are true. They are literally true. So, and I'm the best example of it, or people who I work with are the best example of it. There is a moment that comes when you say, no, I've had enough. I'm not just something. I'm someone, okay? And I want more from life and I'm going to go and get it. That's it. As simple as that. And it, it, it is really as simple as that, isn't it? it? And a lot of what you said there resonated a lot with me. Um, I remember mm. when I was at school as well, I was constantly questioning why, why, oh, yeah. why do I have to do this? This makes no sense. I don't even want to do it. Like remember at school here in the UK, I don't know if it's the same back in, in Poland, they make a big deal about applying for university. Absolutely. And they People put you under a lot of pressure about it. And I was mm. like, I'm not going to university this year. So why do I have to apply? What do you mean you're not going to university? You're good academically. Yes, but I also need to pay for university and I have no money in my bank. Well, mm -hmm. what about your parents? They are looking after two other kids. Yeah. <laughs> As if so... everything was just obvious, you know? Yeah. Uh... Yeah, it's so frustrating because as if there was no other way, as if, don't you think that even people who want to take a gap year in Poland, I think even <laughs> about a few years back, it would have been a scandal if people wanted to. Like, I mean, take me when I did my bachelor's and I told my family that I wasn't going to follow on a master's in political sciences, they thought I was going to completely ruin my life. They said that my life will be wasted. Right. Yeah. Well, I needed that time to figure myself out. That's when I started teaching. That's when I started getting interested in what I'm actually good at, which was not political sciences. <laughs> it's just so nonsensical. And I don't know many young people either who at the age of 16, 17, 18, yep. even 25, who know what they're actually good at and what they want to do for the rest of their lives. True. I was going to say, I probably know quite a few 40 year olds, 50 year olds exactly. that would say the same as well. I think <laughs> it's because there's, like you said, there's that notion that you have to follow a specific prescribed route. And if you yeah. don't do that, and if you're not good at certain things, then you may be, yeah, you may not be successful. I mean, but what, exactly. what is success? What is um, success? Uh -huh. Yeah, it's, I think it's a conception that's obviously changing. So mindset is, is a huge thing. So mm. in your industry, and I know these are two, I'm going to explore kind of mindset from two ways. And I know that they're passion subjects for you. Um, oh, yeah. So one thing I've seen you talk a lot about on Instagram, and I know you talk about it in your community, is pricing. Mm. Okay. So you're obviously working in an industry where, and I had this when I used to work in the ASL industry, why am I going to pay? Why am I going to pay for you? And I can learn on YouTube for free. Mm. You've got things like Duolingo that you can learn for peanuts. Mm -hmm. So I know the temptation then is for new teachers or new freelancers, if they're coming in and thinking, oh, well, I'll just market myself at market rate. You know, mm. that's clearly pricing them significantly below that actual value that they can add to their mm. students. So what, what advice would you give to new teachers in your niche or, or new business people full stop um, mm. regarding this? So again, coming back to mindset because pricing totally begins with the way you think about your value, as you say, your worth. Unfortunately, we're made to believe that we have to be comparable or uh, we have to be competitive with the market. And I, the first thing I want my clients and whoever comes to me for advice to do is to challenge that. Why would you be the subject of comparison? Okay. Do you think that you're offering exactly the same 
that everybody else is offering. If you are, then maybe, okay? But if you want to, if you feel in you that there is something else that you could offer that you've got results that, and I'm pretty sure, and usually when we dig deep, uh, all the people I work with, they find out, they kind of realize that they have something special, something that, you know, in business is called a unique selling point, something that they're so good at that is worth millions, right? Millions, obviously, uh, metaphorically, but also or figuratively or, but also why not? Why not? Why not? Literally, it really depends on the person setting the price, how much they charge. So I would start there, stop comparing because yeah. there is nothing to compare, right? If you want to be compared, then set your price at the exact same level as the market is willing to pay. If you start from thinking of what's unique about you, then the price comes after that, right? So, yeah, that's probably my biggest piece of advice there. Yeah, we're, we're of the same mindset here. I think it's it's obviously focusing first on your strengths, highlighting what you mm. bring to the table, what your experience, mm. your knowledge, your and, and go from there instead of going, you know, well, I'm, I'm a teacher. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you are, what do you offer? Okay. Mm. What, what skills have you got? What knowledge, what niche have you got? What can you do that nobody else can do? And, and I, I know people get a little bit stuck with that because I think they get caught up in the names of what they, they are do. and their job titles. So what would you say to them with regarding that would obviously when they're starting out they're, they're thinking this is my job title and this is what i do and they don't think about who they are as a person and what they can offer so mm. is there anything so uh, anything you'd mm. say to them about that mm. that's why i'd say that the first step in and even if when it comes to building your business and that's the first step the first module even in in the course that i run for teachers is inner work People need to dig deep and answer some questions about themselves that they've probably never been asked before, before they even start working with other people. So first, it starts with you, your strengths. Very often I ask people to do psychological tests because it helps so much. Very often, it, some people realize, literally, and I'm not even going to lie, some people in my sessions realize that they need to go to therapy because oh, they've wow. been people pleasing all their life because they've been like literally thinking of themselves so badly that they realize, Hey, I want to stop this. I don't want to live like this anymore. And it's actually quite natural. I've been through that process myself. Sure, I always sure. say that building a business is like personal growth on steroids. So, <laughs> and it is, I love that. Yeah, totally. It is. <laughs> so to, Everybody who just, who is so attached to that identity, I'm just a teacher or I'm just a certain job title, do that inner work and then start thinking about how you help people, not teach them, for example, when it comes to teachers, but I think it's relevant to anybody starting your own business. It's about not sharing with the world what you know, but how do you help people make a transformation? It's literally taking people from a point A to a point B and everybody has got it in them. They just don't realize. And also we see, we see just a lot of bullshit online. We see people, pardon my French. Um, we see people sharing stuff for free in terms of English language teachers. It's usually language content as if they were walking and talking dictionaries <laughs> as if that's what the role of a teacher was. Yep. And then they kind of think that magically people will sign up because they like a post that teaches someone five uses of the verb get. Jesus Christ <laughs> almighty. I mean. Yeah, I mean, what does it what does it do? I suppose if you go on to LinkedIn or, or even on Instagram and you're doing that, mm. I mean, how is that helping somebody communicate at work? How is that helping somebody get an interview? Or, or get a job. Yes, obviously, language points are useful. They're useful. People need them. If they haven't got them, they need them. But they need to know that they need, need them first. And they yeah, need to know absolutely. what the utility of it is. 
Absolutely. And it's so sad that you mentioned Duolingo or YouTube or videos. There are so many people who unfortunately, and I think this is very specific to language learning, but also to, to skills learning in general. Mm -hmm. I think people forget one important aspect. And I'm saying this also from the perspective of a teacher trainer and a teacher with years of experience. People forget that learning a skill such as a language requires practice mm -hmm. and requires involvement, not consumption of knowledge. Yeah. It's not another school subject. <laughs> it's not maths. It's not geography that you can just literally learn by heart. There are people who still think that's the case. Unfortunately, that's why they're not making progress. And I don't think apps like Duolingo can ever replace language instruction. Sure. Literally, because there is no element of utilizing what you've learned, which is crucial. Massively. So yeah, I totally get that. Like you said, with any skill, I think there has to be a space for the application, right? You can read, and, and I think this applies to any area of life, really. Absolutely. I mean, you can read the books, you can read books on personal development, you can read books on how to not be depressed, how to be lose weight or how to get a six pack or whatever it is but if you're not doing anything <laughs> nothing's gonna ever ever's gonna change you know and you... I, i'm sad that people forget that all the time i have a very um controversial view on digital courses i don't know if you've noticed that people have become quite obsessed with purchasing and hoarding <laughs> digital courses on a variety of topic subjects, and they just never do them. Yep. My theory is that exactly because there is no practical element, there is no accountability, there is nobody to tell you, to give you feedback. There is nobody to tell you, yes, you're doing it right. Not only consuming and trying. Yep. Yes, somebody can tell you how to do things, but without some sort of a live human element to it, yeah, I think that that accountability is is key, isn't it? I think mm -hmm. I know so many people. I think everyone's been guilty of it at some point. You just go, oh yeah, I'll do this course, and you spend all this money. And I mean, I've got a course set on my computer that I barely touched in a year because ultimately it wasn't the right thing to do at the right time, but it it seemed good at the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and and I actually got a lot more out of it by actually taking actions and doing other things. So, so that's a, that's a good thing to, to think about. And Definitely. an area that I know and I work with people, and I know that this is probably a big part of what you do with your people is marketing and mm. showing up on social media. So you're obviously someone who's utilized Instagram a lot in your business and gained quite a sizable following over there. Um, someone who's done the same on on linkedin and it obviously takes time lots of time to mm. practice develop find your voice i noticed certainly after the pandemic started a lot of people in in your niche and freelance teachers started showing up on linkedin and and i bet there's a lot of them were a bit worried well i know that a lot of them were a bit worried about it because they were like looking around and going there's loads of other teachers here. There's loads of people doing what I do. And and I know this happens in so many other niches. Like you said earlier on, everybody gets hung up on the, oh, God, there's loads of people doing what I do. Um, so they start thinking that maybe the market's saturated and they step back and they don't market and they stay in the shadows of social media or maybe don't even take any action in their business. So what would you say to people that are thinking that there's no room for them in the market mm. and what can they do to stand out from the crowd? Mm. I love that topic. I have to say, <laughs> I've got so much to say and so many misconceptions to crush. One of them being, I wouldn't completely disagree with the fact that the EOT market is saturated. There are lots of language schools. There are lots of teachers, but also there are lots of learners. And there's one very, very important thing that I recently, I think I saw a reel or something on that, and it touched me deeply. It said that you might think that 
people won't be interested in your service because there are so many others already doing what you're doing or because maybe you don't think you're the right person to do it and you will never attract your students. And what I've got to say for that is it's probably true that 99,9% of people in the world will never buy from you. Yeah. But the rest, which is 7.9 billion, will. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Which puts it in a bit of a different perspective. And I think it's just... Yes, there is still enough of a pool of people to attract, to um, do business with. And actually, we always think that we need thousands of people to start paying us to be successful. <laughs> Not really. I started with five and sure. it was enough to kick off the business. Five. What's five? And that's actually another thing. My business goal is usually to have about five new clients a month. Yep. What's that? Even within a year, that's like 50 something, 60 maybe. So it's, it's, it's nothing. Yeah. And there are millions of people in the world, right? It's, it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? And exactly. I, I, exactly. I, I don't think it helps really by what you see online with people saying to you, oh yeah, take this magic bullet. And you'll get millions of clients. You'll have clients coming out of every pore and orifice of your body. I mean, do you even want that many clients? Do like, you want that? Exactly. You know, that's a Who question. That? You, you know? need to be prepared. Yeah. If you want to have millions of clients as well. Most people need a few to be successful, to be happy, to be satisfied. But yeah, we buy into those hacks and tricks and gimmicks. And it's, it's quite sad. And also another thing, because you asked me about how to stand out. I would say that <clears throat> people who get a bit hung up on the idea that their market is saturated, that there are many other teachers doing uh, what we're doing. There is a system in our brain called an RAS, I believe. And mm -hmm. it's something that, uh, I don't know if the listeners are familiar with it, but I understood it well when somebody gave me an idea of when you buy a car, okay. when you have an idea of of what car you want. And suddenly you, you decide that you want to buy a blue car. It actually happened to me last year. I wanted a blue car. So I started thinking about that blue car. Do you know what I saw for the next few weeks? This blue, blue cars. cars everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> okay. So when you think of running a business, you suddenly see everybody doing it because yeah. that's what your brain's filter does to you. So yes, it is true. There are lots of people, but not that many. It's just your brain showing you what you already know, right? Because it's, it's literally a mechanism that is, has been in us for, for a very long time. Um, and in order to stand out, we just have to be ourselves. Because if we're trying to be like the rest, then literally we're, as, as I said at the beginning, we become victims of uh, competitiveness on the market, but also of comparisonitis, oh. which is a very, very dangerous disease. And Terrible. Um, it never ends well. But being yourself, being your authentic personality, that's what will bring people that are the ideal people to work with us. And we don't need that many, as we've already said. Absolutely. Comparisonitis is a subject near and dear to my heart. The moment you start looking out outwards and like externally and think what they were there, what they do, what they were. Oh, I need to do that. I need to do that. Does it fit? Does it fit with who you are? Does it fit with what you want to achieve? And I think people often lose sight of that and they end up creating these goals and stuff that are just so not aligned with who they are and what they actually want to achieve. It can be challenging. I think you do need to be aware of that throughout life. I think naturally we do look uh, as humans, we do look externally in, in all aspects. We'll look at them and then think what they do, what they do. But sometimes I think it is good to have a look and see what other people are doing from an analytical point of view to think about, okay, so that's working, or at least we think it's working because we'll never really know. 
but we think it's working. So what are they doing? What are they doing that's working? And does it fit with who you are? If it does, precisely, then maybe you can apply some of that to you. If it doesn't, why are you going to start singing and dancing on, on TikTok, for example? That's the thing at the moment. Everyone got to exactly. get on TikTok and sing and dance. No, you don't. Just talk. If that's what you're about, talk. People will get into it. I couldn't agree more. Honestly, there is a certain like kind of buzz. And I think a lot of people get a hit of dopamine when they follow trends. It's nice. It's exciting. I, I'm not saying I don't follow uh, any trends. I do certainly follow some, but I think it's tricky because it's literally comparing yourself to others and say, oh, it's working for somebody. So I need to apply it to myself yeah. without the reflection. Right. So, yes, if you feel like singing and dancing, go for it. But if you're not about it, as you said, it's literally, why bother? Well, it just comes across as fake, doesn't it, ultimately? It does, and yeah, absolutely. It, even though, you know, maybe that video goes off, but people, I, people pick up on it, you know, mm. and it's the same if you're doing stuff that you don't really feel. If you've got a post and thinking, well, all the, all the influencers are doing this, I'm going to do the same thing. That moment your fingers hovering over the post, you're sending that energy out into the world. So people are going to see through it. Um, but coming back to social media, as I mentioned earlier on, you've um, become a bit of an Insta sensation over the past year or so now, isn't it? You've been on about it's the last year or so. It's been a year now. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I Remember when you started off with that? I remember you saying, oh, I'm going to go and play on Insta. And then you've just been doing, well, you've been being you. Um, yeah. And, and that's one of the joys of personal branding. People like to see the person. They like to get to know who that person is. Mm. The good, the bad, the ugly, um, all of it. I mean, if again, yeah. I will say to listeners, if you are comfortable doing that. Um, but and I think it's awesome that, you know, for a lot of people, they are going out there and just like yourself, just this is me and this is what I'm all about. And people are sharing their challenges, the challenges they've had in life, in business, in whatever. And and you've obviously been very open about your journey with ADHD. Mm. So when when were you first diagnosed with that? First of all, thank you so much. I, I like to think I'm doing like, a good job there. And I definitely it's something that feels natural to me, being myself, being authentic. And I'm a big advocate of being yourself because then that's when business is easy, actually. If you can just truly not force anything. And I'm not ever. And I say to people, there are ups and downs and there are high days and there are probably more high days because of the way I've organized my life, to be honest, because I've taken full control of it ever since I started running my business. But that's probably a topic for another whole podcast. Um, and the bad sides, the, the uglier, the downsides of, of life as well. And I've always felt that sharing vulnerability, but also sharing that I'm a human. I'm not a robot. Yes, I do work a lot and I do things very quickly and I hyper-focus thanks to my ADHD. I've always felt that it's important to share this because what if there are people who can identify and who, if they hear it, they might feel, wow, if she did that, I can do it too. That's literally always been my motivation. So uh, coming back to your question, I was actually, that's another funny story. So I was first diagnosed with ADHD last year, only last year, which is, which was part of my personal growth um, on the way to building my business. It was something that I started noticing very much more consciously. There were lots of symptoms that were always bugging me. There were always, I always felt different. I always felt like, oh, why do I always say things um, that are kind of a bit awkward? Or why do I why am I so impulsive? Why am I so reactive? Maybe I should have more self-control. Maybe I should be better organized or prioritize things better. Why do I hyper-focus but then lose interest in things within the first 10 minutes? It, literally, that's been my life, a roller coaster <laughs> of, of being hyper-focused and then in, bored super easily. And then I realized 
this actually is a set of symptoms. So I've started digging, Googling, doing tests and, and then reached out to a psychiatrist for a diagnosis and it got confirmed and it was great actually, because a lot of people, unfortunately, I think I've been lucky because a lot of people, when they get diagnosed and it, ADHD is a, uh, is a disorder on a spectrum. So a lot of people feel a lot of guilt, a lot of negative emotions. Fortunately, my first and main emotion, and it's still been there, is relief. <laughs> I feel like, yes, there is a label, but it's not a negative label. It's something that, wow, I'm not a weird person. It's just a certain brain malfunction. And that's it. That's fine. And when I know what it is, I know how to work around it, with it, not against it. So, yeah. I know we've talked about this before a little bit, but how do you use that energy? That how do you use that that ADHD? How do you use that to kind of power yourself forwards within your business, within your daily life? How do you use mm. that? So I usually have an excess of energy, <clears throat> not necessarily physical, but some sort of restlessness. So I feel like I need to do stuff. And, but it's quite random. So it's quite hard to, to describe for me. I obviously lose focus, which is quite annoying, but it also means that I can do a lot of things and I'm kind of multi-passionate. So for example, yes, I won't be perfect at things, but I can learn a lot of things quite well and they can work quite well for me. So one of the best ways in which I've been utilizing my ADHD is being on video, basically being on video and being on Instagram stories. Whenever I feel like a rush of energy and like something that it could be as a reaction to something happening or, or just, you know, something out of the blue, I just go on stories, talk to people about something. And it's usually extremely impulsive. And it's usually what brings me the most views, the most reactions from people, the most like, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. I've been thinking that. And it's, it's, it's just authenticity, you know, because I never filter myself. But also there is this part of ADHD hyper-focus that means that when you focus on a task, hours can go by and mm -hmm. you just do it. Also, I think a lot of ADHD people have a tendency to do things a lot faster because they are, when they are in that hyper-focus mode, there are obviously downsides of the hyper-focus. Uh, like for example, you forget to go to the toilet. That's literally <laughs> one of the struggles. I, I can see that. <laughs> but, I can see that. Yeah. You get things done. <laughs> you get things done. And I feel like I've moved forward in my business faster than uh, or compared to people who don't have ADHD. I really sometimes think that I do have some sort of a magical cape and it's when I put it on, I get stuff done and that's oh, it. I love yeah. that. So you, you're seeing it as a superpower yeah. almost. I do. I do. Oh, every that's day. awesome. And it's also, it's not only the fact that I can use this energy, like even now I, I'm literally in that mode of yeah. saying things because I'm passionate. It's like it, there is an impulse and, and it tells me to keep talking, right? So that's one. Number two is the fact that I can share it with others. And I've heard so much feedback that it helped people feel a bit better about themselves. That's another thing. So I think that's a superpower in itself. But also the fact that, hey, people who are not normal, quote unquote, <laughs> people who are not regular people can also do great things. Um, and I think that's amazing. I couldn't agree more. I think it's, it's awesome. I, I, I've noticed quite a few people over the past year or so, two years, um, with various neurodiverse, they've used that they've like yourself, they've kind of harnessed that and gone, this is, this is the way I look at the world. This is the way I am. And I'm just going to be me. And here it is. And I think it's inspiring, obviously, for a lot of people, like you're saying, with the feedback you've received, putting it out there, your your challenges, the fact that you've faced that, the strengths, the good, the bad, that authenticity resonates with people. And, mm. and, and I always say to my people, my clients, if you put out a video or a post or a story or a reel or whatever platform you're on, always put it out there with intention. 
always mm. put it out with the intention to make impact that you've got something to say and you want to talk to people. You want to help people. Now you might not get 1 million likes, loads of views, but don't think about it like that. Think about that one person. And if it was only just one person and you've made a difference to that one person's day, I mean, that can obviously spiral. I mean, it's amazing. And then that can obviously snowball from there. Yeah. And, and, and it's sometimes awesome. I, I couldn't agree more again. We're just so much on the same page <laughs> with that because I always say that to my clients as well. Intention is so important. And like forgetting that literally it's, it's, it's rarely those visible signs of engagement on social media, such as likes or comments or shares that move the needle. And I'm not saying only about moving the needle in business, but also in literally people's lives. So it's usually things that are quite random that we say share because there was some impulse that, that told us to share this, right? That change something, that, that, that move something. And it's very often about trusting that it's always happening, trusting the process as they say, right? So the number of times that I thought a piece of content of mine was a flop and then <laughs> Months later, I would get an email or a message or a comment underneath something saying, oh my God, I've only just listened to this. This is so amazing. Or literally the other week, the other day, uh, last week, I received a message from someone saying, um, no, it was a comment on a Facebook group. A teacher asked, uh, do you have any marketing advice for teachers? And I said, well, you could start with my podcast. And this same person, the person I've never seen before in my life, I had no idea who they were. They said, oops, I know your podcast by heart. <laughs> and I was like, what? what? <laughs> like, honestly, so you don't even know yeah. what impact you make. You just have to believe that you do. Yeah. As long as you share your stuff. Because if you don't, that's the only time when you're failing, literally. Yeah, totally. The people aren't mind readers, right? No. And you never know who's watching because some people just consume social media content. Yeah. They yeah. will, they don't, for whatever reason, maybe they don't want to be vulnerable. They're not confident. Yeah. They're shy, whatever. They don't comment, but they're there. Yeah. And yeah. eventually some people may reach out. Some people might not. And I guess that's the biggest challenge. One of the biggest challenges for people that, start marketing their businesses when you're not getting those likes when you're not getting those comments when you're not getting those views so to echo what you were saying is it's important just to get it out there and keep going with intention i totally agree it's literally about that kind of belief. I always say as well that time in business is very, very relative. Mm -hmm. And when I say be patient, I mean it. I'm, an, I'm literally the most impatient, <laughs> also because of my ADHD, I'm the most impatient person I've ever met. I, for me, everything needs to happen now. If it doesn't happen, that's when I doubt myself and everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I have those challenges every day as well. But patience means sometimes it means weeks, sometimes it means months, sometimes it means just days, you know, yeah. it's unpredictable, but we need to instill that kind of idea that whatever I do, it matters. Whatever I do is like this, it's, it, it's having that compound effect, yeah. by the way, fantastic book, <laughs> the compound effect, that will end in something greater in whatever, someone reaching out to you for your service, someone being touched by your content or whatever it is, whatever the intention there is behind it. We just need to have that patience because it's extremely important. Otherwise that's how people give up. That's why I feel like before I even uh, opened my business registered, I saw some statistics online, like 50% of businesses fail in mm -hmm. the first year. Yeah. Why? Because they give up too soon, honestly. Totally that. You've got it. You've just got to keep going. You know? Business isn't risky at all. Business is patience. I love and that. And plowing on and believing and trusting in the process and yourself.
Oh, I love that. Patient is absolutely key. Not expecting that first post on social media to go viral. It takes time to kind of, or or even the hundredth. Um, (laughs) uh, But it's, it's building up that audience, isn't it? So, and and getting to know them and getting to know what you're all about. So Mm -hmm. obviously that involves marketing. And I know that's an area we've kind of touched upon. So it can be very overwhelming when you're starting off Mm -hmm. knowing should I be on Instagram? Should I be on LinkedIn? Should I just have a blog? Should I have a website? Should I be doing podcasts? Should I be, oh, my life, just thinking about it. I can see how overwhelming it probably is for for, Mm. for new business owners. What would you say to anybody starting out regarding selecting the platforms to market on? Mm. That's a very good question. And I totally agree. It can get overwhelming. People think that they have to be everywhere, that visibility is being everywhere. Not really, because that means spreading yourself too thin. I would say that a general good rule of thumb is starting to think in your business um, through the prism of your people. So where your ideal people are, where they are most likely to hang out, sometimes it takes research. I don't have ready-made answers. There are no hacks. Mm -hmm. You have to figure it out yourself as well. Myself and Ashley, we, we met on LinkedIn, but I moved to Instagram and it's been working for me. That's where my people are, but I'm sure there are also some of my people on LinkedIn. So, you know, it takes constant Uh, experimenting, but thinking about them rather than you is key, right? It's also about thinking uh, about what their needs might be. So you can then prepare an offer or a service or a course or a a product, whatever, that is an answer to those needs. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Speaking of offers and services, if there's Mm. anybody out there um, that's listening that needs support in starting their ELT business, Is there any offers or services that you can offer them right now that will give them that support? Yeah, absolutely. So people usually work with me in three ways. I'm going to start from the cheapest, (laughs) the most affordable, because if people don't know me, that's how they like to enter my world. It's via my community. Uh, It's a membership, a community of um, teaching business owners called ELTpreneurs. I'm sure Ash will put a link to my website so you can have a look at it. It's where about 45, maybe around 50 now people hang out at the moment uh, where we learn, meet. They are also coached by me monthly. And also they just collaborate together. They network and come up with ideas to move their businesses forward. So we think of how to create content that would attract students. We think of business structures and things like that. The main focus in this is community and that support. Another way of working with me is my course. It's my most precious baby, although I love my community as well. So I, no, no, I don't have any teacher's pets. I don't. <laughs> I love, I, I love all people I work with. It's a course called the ELT Rocket. And it's a course uh, with literally all business marketing and sales knowledge for English language teachers that is not unique. Absolutely not. It's not new things. It's just things that are relevant to English language teachers. So it's the two years of my experience in business uh, working with clients, but also working on my business that I put into a 10 week course, teaching people how to run a successful ELT business, basically. And that's what people say. They like this course because there's been one edition now and beginning of May, I'm opening doors for the second one uh, is that they loved how relevant to English language teachers it was. Uh, and the third one is my one-to-one mentoring, which is a longer and bigger investment, but also obviously I'm, I'm very much open to working in that way with people because some people prefer it as well. Um, so yeah, these are the three ways, ELTpreneurs, the ELT rocket and my one-to-one mentoring. Fabulous. Fabulous. And obviously there'll be uh, links attached to this, but if anybody is feeling compelled right now to send you an email, um, how can they get hold of you? I probably hang out on Instagram the most. So sending a DM on Instagram is probably the quickest way to reach me. If 
you prefer uh, an email is also fine. So you can reach me at hello at polakowalska.com. And I would love to hear from you if anybody has any questions or wants to have a chat about what I offer. Fabulous. What What's your Insta handle? Is it? It's at uh, Ola underscore Kowalska underscore ELT coach. Fabulous. Fabulous. And for anybody that that is interested, I highly recommend checking out Ola's content. She's uh, a legend over there. Absolutely. Well, she's a legend anyway, but she's definitely a legend over there. Awesome. So yeah. before we ride off into the sunset, I have one final question for you. So what is your espresso shot of confidence for our listeners? So I've thought about it a lot. There are lots of things that a lot of people say, and I want it to be original. And I don't know if it's going to be original, but let me try. So one of the most powerful things that I've ever done in my business that boosted my own confidence, even though I've always been quite a confident person, but I always recommend it to people. And it's a bit of an insider's tip because I teach it in my course, is to say no. To at least once say no to a potential client. Okay. And I'm not saying no, just for the sake of saying no, but say no to a person who just doesn't feel right to a person who is a bit of a time waster, like doesn't match the profile of the ideal person that you would want to work with that something under your skin and in your bones is telling you that mm, they are willing to pay money but they won't be committed or maybe they will be a pain to work with or the hours don't work or something, right? Say no. Honestly, the power, the, the feeling of confidence and the feeling of being in control that you will feel when you've said no is incomparable to anything else. So I highly recommend that. Oh, I love that. No is such a powerful word and, and certainly yeah. one that is maybe not in the vocabulary of a lot of new business owners. So awesome. Thank you very much for sharing that. And thank you very much for joining me here uh, on the podcast. Thank you so much, Ash. It's been a pleasure. I love this chat. Oh, Sorry I've if I've it. been talking too much. No, not at all. You've offered so much value to the listeners. So huge thank you for the listeners that have listened and, and stopped by today. So that's it for today's episode. Um, to get notifications on future episodes and when they drop, please click the link wherever you are watching or listening to this. And all I've got left to say is to have a great week, life, afterlife, everything. Have an awesome, awesome day, night, evening, wherever you are. And as always, don't forget to be awesome. <laughs> Fabulous, there we go.